With Livin' Up Promo, you can turn your brand into a lifestyle. Our professionally printed swag is guaranteed to turn heads. Check us out on Instagram at L-I-V-I-N Up Promo to get started today. Welcome to Breaking Bread. I'm Terry Page. The election for Charlotte City Council is fast approaching. You may not have had the opportunity to focus on the issues or who is running, but we're here to help. Here to outline her plans for District 6 is candidate Stephanie Hand. Stephanie, welcome to Breaking Bread. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Terry, for having me here today. Stephanie, according to the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance, we have close to 150, 115 people. That's 115 people a day moving to Charlotte. I know when I first made the move, I had no idea what those numbers meant for those districts. So could you explain to those newcomers the location in which you're running and what they would need to do to cast their vote in the upcoming election? Wonderful, wonderful. Um, I am Stephanie Hand, who is running for Charlotte City Council District 6. And District 6 encompasses Park Road that intersects with Highway 51 all the way up to Park Road Park Shopping Center and two areas on South Boulevard. And then it goes over into the South Park area, Providence Road, Sharon Road, and um, Cotswold area. And so it's a hosh-posh of that and on the borders of all those things. And so a great, great uh, community that I've lived in probably about 25 years now. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you for that clarification. The, the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance also reports that many of the people relocating to Charlotte region are probably moving from large metros like the north, uh, Northeast and the South, along with the smaller North Carolina metros like Asheville, uh, Winston-Salem. Many people are also coming in from more expensive areas like Miami, New York, D.C. The publication theorizes many are doing so due to the lower cost to live in Charlotte. If elected, would you predict that expectation for those new residents would continue to be fulfilled, or do you see changes on the horizon? Um, Great question. I I believe that any city wants to continue to grow. Any organization wants to continue to grow. And so it's in the best interest of the city to constantly grow. The question becomes, how do you maintain affordability in a city that's growing and you're running out of space in the city proper? And those are the challenges of a growing city or growing anything. How do you place people and still stay relevant still stay prosperous, and still stay a city that people desire to be in. So essentially you're looking at anticipated growing pains do that. Growth. Absolutely. Everything is a growing pain. So the question is, how do you respond to it and keep thriving for sustainability in the future? Okay. Well, on that vein, um, that kind of segues way into affordable housing. I saw on your website that you're a bit uh, proponent for that. Uh, I guess that's a polite way of saying, you know, below market value. But you stated that you wanted to find innovative ways to close the gap of the affordable housing crisis. Could you share with us um, any ideas how you would make that happen? Well, I think it's in, it's it's a multifaceted process. And I, I like to use the language because affordable housing sometimes gets a negative connotation that the reality of the matter is people want housing that they can afford in the city in every single zip code. And how do you do it? We've got to work with the developers as they're coming in and buying property and redeveloping those properties. There are incentives that through the federal government, the state government, so that they will put um, AMI housing in there for people that when we're living into 30% of AMI, we have people who really can't afford, particularly in some of the areas that are 
more prominent in the city of Charlotte. So how do we do that? And we have to do that by ensuring that the philanthropic community is engaged with us, the faith community is engaged with us, because the faith community has property. The faith community can actually go into some areas, and then the governmental community, as well as the business community. It's going to take a collective effort to solve this problem, but the problem is a solvable problem, but it's going to take all of us coming up with innovative solutions to ensure that that happens. Yeah, I, I hear what you're talking about. I see you know, a lot of gentrification going on uh, in the area. People who once lived in the area can no longer afford to live there. And I saw a news report just yesterday, uh, this is outside the district, but uh, an old Ford dealership, they turned into a housing unit so people can have a place to live. So that you're talking about maybe those sort of things when you talk about oh, absolutely. being innovative. Absolutely, uh, the NOAA. NOAA's buying existing properties, right? and they're, they're renovating those properties. And so you don't have the high-end cost because you're not building from the ground up. And so it's that. And then, you know, people go, well, we don't want this in our neighborhood. The reality of the matter, particularly in um, our South Park area, they, they're afford, there is affordable housing that's already integrated in there. And, and the question is, affordable housing isn't always the low end of the totem pole. It actually can work and can happen but we must be innovative with it and we must be trusting of one another from developers to the general public to the government to come up with solutions for that, that it's a very great integrated process and incentivize it some more so that developers were willing to do that. Because we want a win-win. At the end of the day, we want the developers to win, we want the general public to win, we want the government to win. Well, one of the analogies that was presented to me was if you, let's say you have a school in the area and you've got teachers who maybe can't afford to live in the area to go to work. And same for the police and fire, you know, being able to afford where you live. Right. It's important if we want employees to be able to live in community. I think uh, policing, police officers should live in the communities in which they're serving because that way there's relationship building. Firemen and firewomen need to be living close to the areas, to your point, teachers and medical professionals they can't live in some of the areas in our city, but yet they may be working in those areas. That creates a better quality of life for individuals where they can possibly ride their bike to work, they could possibly uh, walk to work, or they can take public transportation to work, that it's not a big stretch. And so they have community within community. You and your opponent, Tariq Bakari, had a close race last time around. You only lost by 357 votes. Uh, to put in perspective, the last two Democratic candidates who uh, ran against Councilman Bakari, both in 2019 and 2017 race, lost with more significant margins. However, each time eroding a vote from his win column, what are your plans to divert the incumbent from winning a fourth term? Well, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to use the values in which I was raised with, and that is um, service and get my messaging out to the people. I serve community already. I used to be a middle school coach. And by the way, we won the championship for the season. Yes. Um, I'm going to still stay engaged in community, but I'm going to cast the, wet, the net wider to engage into a community because I believe public officials are people who are elected by the people and they're to serve for the people. And I'm that kind of candidate. I'm that human being. I'm that person because service is, is what we're called to do. And then we have to have the values of hard work. And that means being in the public view, talking to the community, listening to the community of what their 
concerns are, their interests are, and then representing the community. That includes the business community, the neighborhoods, organizations that all encompass District 6. I'm that type of representative. I will work for the people. Sound like you wanted more uh, harmonious community, merchants, Harmonious is, 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 a, is an interesting word because here's the thing. I believe that it's a challenging work and it's not an easy work because everybody has opinions about what things should be. The question becomes, what's the common cause that we can come together and rally around? Because everybody's not going to get everything that they bring to the table. But we have to find common ground to say what is going to move my community forward, what's going to solve the problem that is pressing in the area. And that's going to take coalition building. and doesn't mean everybody has to, to be a puppet and say the same thing. But what is most important right now and the other things we can put on the shelf and revisit another day. And that's how you constantly move forward. And that's tension. And that's energetic conversation. And it's not easy, but it's necessary to move any civilization, any city, or any community forward. I want to go back to something you mentioned a little while ago. You mentioned as, as far as um, people being in the area, as far as uh, walking and, and and driving and what have you. And I've, I personally noticed the South uh, Park area increased traffic. And I've noticed in the morning people like to w- walk their little fur babies, you know, that kind of thing. So um, what are your plans for infrastructure? So my plans for infrastructure is that we really need to understand from our community. To your point, we have a lot more people walking around with dogs and cats and animals in our community than we probably had it ever in the city of Charlotte. So how do we create those spaces? Because that's about quality of life. They want places where their dogs can walk in a dog park. So that means you got to have sidewalks. And you have to have good crosswalks to get to the park locations of where they can go and get exercise outside by walking like Park Row Park, um, to be able to go there and walk your children or push your children in a buggy or walk your dog or just get your exercise. So accessibility from point A, being able to ride your bike safely on the streets, having bike lanes in all areas, but also have enough lanes for the cars to be able to go, but more importantly, trying to find a way for transportation to get through that because we need some clean air. We need to help the environment. And so how do we transport the most people at the best way to do it, to get out of our cars and do some public transportation that's reliable so that we have better quality of life in our city, this beautiful green city that we live in, better quality of air, no pollution, uh, no trash on the streets, those types of things. That is the greatness of a city. Yeah, you mentioned earlier as far as the developers coming in and kind of communicating that. So when they're coming, are you talking about making sure there's bike lanes for those bikes, for example? Absolutely. Uh, we, we need sidewalks in every area because the busyness of the city. So every zip code should have sidewalks on them. 
Uh, we need bike lanes, so because we have a, a big growing constituents of bikers that are here in this city. They're coming from all over the nation, all over the world to come to this city because there is a great quality of life. And so we got to create that infrastructure. Uh, the 2040 plan leads us to, it's not perfect, it's a living, breathing document. But what it says is, how do we create community within community where we can walk if we chose to, to shop? We can walk um, to go and get something to eat and have drinks if you choose drinks, whatever drink you decide, to go and exercise. So that's the interconnectivity. So you got to have great stoplights. You got to have crosswalks, you got to have sidewalks, and you have to have biking lanes to be able to do that quality of life of a diverse city that is growing. You know, I was speaking with the, another uh, councilman just today, was, wasn't your opponent. I actually asked him to come on, but I haven't heard back. But what he said in reference to the, the, the cars and the walks and walking and the bike, he said, you know, that works out great for everyone because let's say the people who are driving, there's not as much traffic because people have chosen to maybe take public transportation or maybe ride their bike or walk. So it kind of balances out, kind of going back to what you said earlier about the community where people can kind of do their own thing. And, and Absolutely, still and still be happy and not being forced. Nobody likes, I don't know anybody that likes to get in their car and sit on a street that takes you two minutes to get through and you're still there 30 minutes later. Yes, I'm one of those people. I don't enjoy that at all. <laughs> Absolutely. And so those are the things to help move people to and from. And at the end of the day, I used to run airports in the country, be a part of the air, a leader in the airport industry. And one of the things is we are a regional city, and we don't talk enough about that. But we're a regional city, and if you, like, I, I love shopping at South Park Mall, right? And, and I used to write my sermons sitting in front of the Apple Store because they got free Wi-Fi. And the other <laughs> thing is, it's a wonderful, people that go in there are happy. But when you look around who those that shop, it's not just one ethnic group. It is a mosaic of people that are there, and it just speaks to the, the diversity of the city, the complexity of the city, um, the greatness of the city, because people from all walks of life are coming here and wanting to make this home. And so how do we ensure that we create sustainability, that we're creating a space that people won't say, I ain't going to call other cities out. I'm not going to do that. That, that, Come the, on. <laughs> that the traffic, Atlanta, that the traffic <laughs> is crazy and I just rather go somewhere else and live. Well, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of people are coming here from other areas, so apparently there's some attraction mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. make people come and stay, mm -hmm. by the way. What city do you know of, and I can't think of many, where you have green grass, uh, a whole padre of trees, and you see a deer walking around? <laughs> <laughs> That's in my neighborhood. It's in neighborhoods in our city that deers live with us, and turtles and possums. I saw a possum the other day and I was like, what is that? My husband said, you're such a city girl. So yes, you get to see nature in its essence. And, you know, it's concerning because everybody's concerned the deers are getting killed on the road because kind of their green areas are being um, taken away because we're building. And so what's the balance in all of those things? The ecosystem, because that's why people move. When I travel in, on, the air, on, on an airplane, I know I'm home when I look out the window and I see this massive green canopy. I'm like, yep, we're about to land. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, yeah, there's there's certainly difference between certain cities. Yes. And, and again, you know, sometimes people want to relocate to other areas because they prefer, like you said, maybe the trees or more of an open space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With me today is District 6 candidate for Charlotte City Council, Stephanie Han. Stephanie, what inspired you to run for office? Interestingly, um, I was in my house one day and I was complaining, actually, um, and I don't normally talk to the television, but today, uh, that day I was talking and my son said to me, came up behind me, he's a junior in college, he said, mommy, in the hand household, we don't complain unless we have solutions to the problem. What's your solution to the problem and what are you gonna do about it? And um, you know, I said, son, you're being disrespectful, go to your room. But I thought about that thing and then things just started happening pertaining to people calling me and said, hey, have you ever considered running for public office? No, not really. Well, I think you should consider. So I started talking to people, and it began to have a groundswell. And so that's when you know that you're in the right space at the right time when it grows from the ground up. So I'm in it for a people movement, and I'm in it to make a difference in our city. I'm in it so that we see what problems are, for sustainability long term, and then I'm in it to come up with the solutions and get to work to solve them. Well, are you looking to make uh, major changes, slight changes? Because I mentioned the the vote was very close last time. What are you looking to do maybe differently? So so differently, I'm going to be a representative for the people. Um, There's so many people out there that's just disconnected and saying, my vote doesn't count. Well, a part of that is that people are not engaged with where the challenges are. We have to get close to where the problem is. We have to use the expertise in those communities that they can tell you this is the problem, these are some intentional or unintentional solutions or problems, and we have to surround them with people to solve the problems. We have to ensure that their voices are heard and we as, as representatives are representing the constituents. Now, when I say constituents, I'm saying all the people of District 6. That's the hard work that has to be done. And so that's why I'm running, because I think it's, we must have people that are going to be working for the people and not for self-serving purposes. Okay, so you more, so in reference to what they should expect from you. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, that I am a person for the people of the community. And that means Democrats, independents, and Republicans. I would represent all of them. And then those who have disconnected have to engage with them as well because they're citizens of this great city. Are people um, not going to the polls as much? Well, in this primary election, I understand that it's a 1% turnout at this point. So people aren't for a variety of reasons, some don't know that there's an election, so I'm here to tell you there is an election happening now, and I'm also going to say because I'm running in the general election and I don't have a primary opponent, there's an election that starts. Early voting is October 19th through November 4th, and the election day is November 7th. Please tell your neighbors, your cousin and them, your family to please come on out to vote. And by the way, Stephanie Hand is running for Charlotte City Council District 6. Tell all your friends in District 6 to come out and vote for me. Well, that's one of the reasons we're here, let people know that there is a voting going on as we speak. Yes, indeed. Interesting scenario for you. Okay, pickleball apparently is all the rage, right? So 
I heard this morning, apparently over in Sheffield Park, they took out the basketball court and put in the, the pickleball court. And apparently some of the residents were uh, displeased with that and surprised because they weren't expecting it coming. And um, according to uh, Charlotte Talks, uh, Director Lee Thomas, or sorry, Lee Jones, excuse me, uh, admitted that they hadn't really shared that information with people. Um, if elected to city council, if you were going to make changes like that, um, how would you go about doing it? How would how would that play out? Well, number one, he he acknowledged that he didn't talk to the people. There was an assumption he talked to one side and not the other side. Uh, I'm a I'm I came to Charlotte on a women's basketball scholarship, so I love basketball. And to say that basketball is not significant, and I saw what they said the reason the rationale and the reasons for. But it's important to bring all parties to the table and listen to say, hey. I like pickleball as well. As a, as a matter of fact, I love pickleball. And so it's a fun and it's for all ages, but we can't put one thing over another. How do we do both? Because there are both people out there, both communities out there that want to do both of those things. So we can't negate one to uplift another because both of those sports, basketball as well as pickleball, is good for health. <laughs> it's good for community. And it's good for getting out of your homes and interacting with other people. So we need them both. And I, they, there seems like they're going to solve that problem, but you, you, you don't end up with un, um, consequences that you didn't know when you talk to the people on the ground. Have a conversation, see them, listen to them, and then make the best decision. But don't make the decision that you think. You got to talk to the people first. Talk to them on the front end. On the front end. It saves a lot of time. What do you want people to know about Stephanie Hand, the person? Wonderful, wonderful question. Stephanie Hand is um, from Moorhead City, North Carolina, whose father was in the military and was killed. And um, he got a purple honor. And there's a barracks named after him for his valiant service to this country. I understand service. Because all of my life I heard about him and who he was. I didn't know him. I understand about sacrifice and service because my grandmother worked for 40-plus years in a cert factory. And in those 40-plus years, she never missed a day at work. I'm sorry, what kind of factory? Shirt factory. Shirt, okay. Shirt factory. One of the shirt factories, the Wranglers and, and those folk, where they were down in my little country town, my great town of fishery. So I understand what service means because it's in my DNA, and also understand that we must work hard. And so that woman worked hard. So those values were instilled in me, and we also have to give back to community to come up with the greatest solutions, and it's not in a silo. So that's why I say I am a coalition-building leader. All my life I've done that, and it's because of sports, because of the interactions. And that's what I want the people to know that if I am gifted with this election and this seat, I will be a leader for the people because I know that when disagreement or not disagreement, when you include all sectors of society and engage with them, they want to know that you see them. They want to know, we want to know if you see us, you hear us, whether we agree or disagree, but it helps to move a society forward. And I think our city is a great city. We got work to do. There are problems in our city. But we can come up with those solutions because we have some of the brightest young minds in the city, and we have some of the brightest seasoned leaders in the city, 
and then we have the brightest um, people like myself and yourself in this city, but we gotta work together to make it. And that means Democrats, Republicans, and unaffiliated. And that's what I bring to this city council to have that type of skill set. And I have executive level skill set, I have nonprofit skill set, I have faith, I'm a faith leader in the faith community. And so I want to use all of those things to be a part of city council. I hear a theme here when it comes to the community. Absolutely. You know, it rises and falls. Everything rises and falls on the people in the community, period. Well, as we mentioned earlier, we had 115 people move here today, apparently. So if you haven't registered to vote, is it too late? It is not too late to register to vote. You can go down to the Board of Education. You can go to every one of your libraries here in the city. They have forms that you can fill out. And now we have to have ID in the state of North Carolina. So there's a form for that, and you got to have um, go through that and read that meticulously so that you have all the information you need to sum- submit your um, your documentation. Or you can go down to the Board of Elections to actually go there, and they will walk you through it. You can go to DMV to get your ID if you don't have an ID, or you can go to the Board of Elections. So there's plenty of opportunities, and if you don't know, please ask somebody in your community Go to, your ch- go to a local church, ask them, what is it that you can do? Call you. <laughs> call Terry, y'all. Call Terry. He has all those answers. I'll help you out. Absolutely. But that's what we have to do. But those that already know, we got to tell people. We got to saturate the market and tell them, this is, this is a new process, but we can do this. There's no doubt we can do this. Okay. And I almost forgot, I always, I always ask people who come on the, the program about that 2040. And you mentioned it was a living, breathing document. That's correct. Going forward, how will that affect your district? Um, it, it's going to affect everybody because of the template that it has. However, what I like about this document, and it is a li- living, breathing, it's not a, st- a stagnant document, is that the neighborhoods do have a voice. The people in the neighborhoods have a voice. And as development is being proposed in an area, developers are supposed to contact leaders within a certain um, demographical area to have meet and greets, to have conversations about what the plans are, to get the public's uh, thoughts in. I think we can do a better job with that because at the end of the day, we can't. We're growing. We need places for people to live. We want to grow because that's a stronger social economic business will come to the city and we want better paying jobs in our city. So all of those things are interconnected, but we got to continue to keep our hands on the pulse and not fall asleep so that we have some balance in the city, that we don't outpace ourselves in one area or another. And at the end of the day, we can create a win-win when people talk and are heard in this process. Yes, I've heard from some people on the council with the 2040 that it is, uh, one of the designs is so that people don't have to necessarily leave the area, they have everything there, the drugstore, the grocery store. So tell us a bit more about it. Is that pretty much the the goal? It, it, is, it is really, the, the goal is there was no plan. It hasn't been a plan. So they had to create a plan because every city, every organization needs a plan of how we're going to continue to grow, but also live in the now. And people, this is what the people said that they wanted. And so all of those things got put in that plan that they want, because there are areas, I'll use Clanton Park as an uh, example. There is no grocery, chain grocery store. So there are food deserts in our city. 
So we, we've got to create places because everybody doesn't have a car in every zip code. They rely on public transportation. So we have to create those spaces where there's no longer food deserts so that there's good quality food in every zip code. If you're not riding, if you don't have money to buy a car, you can ride public transportation that's reliable. Or you can walk, or you can ride your bike, or you can push your child's uh, stroller and walk to the store, walk to a arts thing, the theater, or some symphony park. You can walk there and have music, entertainment, grocery, and even work. So I love the idea. That's growing cities. It may not happen in every single community, but we need to work hard to ensure opportunity for that. But we got to listen to the community and hear what the community is saying is what's best. Once again, when's the election? The election for the general election, early voting begins October 19th through November 4th. And election day is November 7th. If people want to learn more about candidate Stephanie Hand, what should they do? Go to my website at stephaniehand.com. Stephanie, thank you for breaking bread with us today. Thank you, my friend, for inviting me. And may I ask, say one more thing? Is that possible? Sure. Is that there are five things simple on a hand. I'm asking for your votes. I'm asking that you would tell somebody about me. I'm asking if you want to donate to the campaign to move this forward, please donate. I'm asking that you would volunteer and come to some of our meet and greets and then have fun out there, but tell everybody about this campaign, about this election, and get out and vote. Thank you, Stephanie Hand. Thank you. Breaking Bread is a production of Artists for the People. Follow us on X at Breaking Bread 101. That's break the letter N as in November, Bread 101. Or catch us on Instagram, Breaking Bread Podcast. Check us out on Facebook or visit our website, breakingbread.biz. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Breaking Bread 101. Give us a list on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Listen Notes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme music was composed by Ludwig van Beethoven. Breaking Bread was created by Terry Page. Success is when opportunity meets preparation. Until next time.